Uh, hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Between Seasons podcast. <laughs> or perhaps should I call it Slasis Pod? <laughs> is that where we're going with it? Oh, God, pod. It's Halloween. It is Halloween, and this is actually a very, uh, a very punny selection for any time of year. Yes. And as always, I'm Blob. I am an existential crisis. I guess I'm Davenstein. That works. Or that works. It works. Monster? And today, as as per usual, we always talk about something a little different between seasons. And because this is the spookiest month of all, uh, we are talking about one of the spookiest cartoons of the '90s, Mighty Max. Yay! Yeah. Basically, everything about this show is weird. Yes, and... It's so 90s. Oh, yes. And so, in such a weird way, because, like, elements of it don't seem to add up to what it is. I mean, it's got a premise that is both... There's a giant chicken! (laughs) I will have you know he is a foul. Foul, yes. (laughs) Alright, so this all started, as did many things, with a toy line. Yes. Which uh, was, it was a... basically boys' Polly Pocket. Yes. Like Polly Pocket, but action oriented, I mean, very horror and like gross out oriented. Yes. It was like not, not even just like action oriented. Yeah. It was that very like mad ballsy sort of. Yeah, it's as gross as you can get without including a jar of green goo. Yes. Man, I, I guess none of them did have any green goo, I did they? I don't think they did, no. I, I don't think so. I was very much into these. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't I oh. was actually that. I had a couple of I the toys that I got on clearance old, at KB because I liked the show. Mm. They might have even been Christmas presents. Yes, in fact, these it was actually, they were actually British originally. They were produced by Bluebird Toys oh, of the UK. I did not uh, know that. And distributed by two different co- companies in Canada and the U.S. In the States, they were distributed by Mattel. Oh. And in Canada, they were distributed by Irwin. Mm-hmm. Irwin, uh, which oh. I am familiar with for uh, being the, the Canadian distributors. Weren't they the, the Canadian distributors of those awful Sailor Moon dolls? They were. I think they produced those. Yeah. Because Sailor Moon kind of st- was bigger in Canada for a while. Yeah, I know they definitely got a lot more than than we got in the U.S. because that was right around the time I had discovered going to Windsor and and getting things. And I picked up some Sailor Moon stuff there, like, when it was, you know, when when Cartoon Network hadn't yet picked it up in the U.S. and it had sort of languished a little bit, uh, which was very exciting for me because I am a nerd. And... (laughs) So I, I I believe the toys were produced in the state in Canada. Um, the show was dubbed in Canada. Yes. And uh, there was also a live stage show, uh, which featured a young Samantha B as Sailor Moon. Okay. What? And which I saw one year at the Canadian National Exhibition with uh, with my sister. <laughs> what? Yes. Okay. What? Well, um. What? Well, why are we not doing a Sailor Moon episode? Because we talked about that more. I mean, so long. that's. Certainly a possibility. Yeah. Actually, I mean, Sailor Moon I mean, there was is fighting always monsters. fighting monsters, like weird female monsters. 
<clears throat> almost always female, although well, sometimes they were gender swapping. Which I really characters. love for the same reason that I really like a lot of the fusions and Steven universes. You don't often get like mm. that kind of monstrousness as like a female thing. Yeah. But I guess that was a little sexy in Sailor Moon, but it wasn't that sexy. <laughs> Kind of, kind of, bit, bit of a, bit of a go nagai feel to it. Yeah, ish. yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, for the monsters, kind of. For the, for the like sexy monster ladies. Yes. Anyway, yeah. speaking of things that are not sexy, uh, Mighty Max. Yes. So, so the, so the gist of this toy line <laughs> is that they were like, like monster heads or like a giant spider or like a severed hand and you would open it up and there was like a little environment in there. There'd be like a couple of monsters and there'd be the titular Mighty Max. Yeah, and these were like little, like, God, probably two centimeter figures. Teensy. Yeah. Itty bitty easy to lose thing. I mean, well, the the nice thing about those is that, like, they closed up and you could, like, snap them shut and with everything inside so you didn't lose anything. Yes. Because that was the idea with the Polly Pocket stuff was they were like compacts that were, you know, opened up into play sets. Uh, And so, yeah, but they were extremely girly. And so yes. they had to do a version which was extremely male. Yes. And anyway, these were popular enough that they got their own TV series, which kind of fleshed out the premise in a way that is both extremely thin and extremely weird. Yeah. So yeah. at that point in time, that was what, like 94, 95? That's the toys came out like 92. They started airing in 93. Yeah, that was when I was in high school. And okay, I, I was, was like a big nerdy high schooler. <laughs> so <laughs> I I would definitely like watch that on my little tiny handheld TV on the way home on the bus and like crashing at a friend's house after school. I remember being like, "Oh my god, Mighty Max is on." Uh, and and Exo Squad also being something that I I watched oh, religiously yeah, at the time, uh, which is a very different sort of show. Uh, but yeah, even like at the time, I I recognized it as being one of those shows that's you know like Beast Wars ended up being that's like far better than it has any right to be for being yes. this like random toy cartoon. Yes. No. And uh, so the the premise of the show is that uh, there's Max, who never receives a last name. He does he have is... a mom. His mom is an archaeologist. And, at and one she point, is Tress McNeil. At one point as a teenager, I was watching like X-Men. It's like, see, mom, why can't you guys have interesting jobs? His mom's an archaeologist and Cyclops' dad <laughs> is a space pirate. And my mom was like, your father would love to be a space pirate. <laughs> and so he uh, he mysteriously received a baseball hat with an M on it. Which Conveniently. Which fits because his shirt also has an M on it. It matches. Because he's a big fan of Mario. Yeah. Or, it's or red the number 1,000. Yeah. It's red and white, too. Yeah. And it can open portals, which send him to various places around the globe, uh, which usually have some sort of monstery thing happen, yes. happening. And this is because he is the mighty one of destiny, uh, due to, uh, spoken of in Lemurian prophecy, and thus is helped in his, uh, duties 
of fighting evil with, uh, by Virgil, who is a, an ancient Lemurian chicken man. Yes. Who nobody ever seems that bothered by. No. Not really. I mean, he does get called a chicken occasionally by various people, including in this episode. And that's his running I mean, the, gag. The, yeah, the running gag foul. is he, he's a foul. Yes. And then he is also accompanied by his guardian, who is Norman, who is like a an immortal Viking, who is like a big he the, He's a Highlander. Guy. He's the wharf I, I think of the show. He may be officially he's a little bit Highlander, a little bit Conan. I think he may be officially called Norman the Barbarian, actually. Uh, but and in fact, there is an episode that explains his immortality, where he has to like fight a giant lion man every thousand every thousand years or something yes he gets a lot he gets a surprising amount of backstory he does we find out how that his dad was killed by brad garrett (laughs) and for some reason he has like a winter soldier slash cable arm yes i'm not sure if that's actually his armor whether it's armor though because i'm pretty sure it's just armor i thought it was just armor because i think he's got a normal hand Yes. Yeah, it's asymmetrical, but it's okay. So his background is basically Wolverine. He's very- and every year he has to fight Sabretooth. That's kind of basically it. Yes, I mean the guy he fights yeah. is basically just Sabretooth, except it's Brad Garrett. Yeah. Hmm. So and much and like a- when we did the Tick, this show, like I remembered how good some of the voice casting is. I forgot that Rob Paulson is Max. Uh, he is, oh, he is the Rob Paulsoniest. <laughs> he is Paulson also, is, yeah. as you may recall, two fifths of the Aerial Bots. Uh, so big fan, big fan. Yes. Uh, and um, then you also have uh, another tying in with Transformers Prime. You have another Night Course alumnus, a uh, Night Court alumnus, in uh, Richard Mull, uh, who is Norman. And he was also a Two-Face on Batman the Animated Series. Yes. And Virgil is Tony J. The uh, the late Tony J. Yes. The excellent Tony J. Yes. Uh, possibly best known to 90s cartoon viewers as Megabyte on Reboot. Yes. And the occasion- oh. there is like an occasionally recurring villain, uh... Skullmaster, I believe. Skullmaster, voiced by the all the ever present in the nineties, Tim Curry. Yes, Tim Curry. Oh, oh, I forgot it was Tim Curry. And he has a sidekick, Warmonger, who is voiced by Frank Welker. Yes. Also, <laughs> as as a random aside, a few years ago, I was actually rewatching all of Twin Peaks on because I saw it was on Netflix, and there's an episode in the second season with Tony J and Oh, that's Dave- right. And David Warner as, like, these old rivals. Yes. Oh, my God. That's so great and random. (laughs) There's just Tony J and David Warner randomly. That second season of Twin Peaks is full of people you forgot were in Twin Peaks. Yes. Like uh, Billy Zane. David Duchovny. I mean, David Duchovny, you remember? He came back for uh, the return. Yes. Yes, he did. You could forget David Duchovny in a dress. Yes. And, um, Teen Witch herself, Robin Lively. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Anyway, so, so this, yeah, the episode Jay. we are viewing today is, uh, Along Came Arachnoid. Yay, it's a spider! Oh no! And you'll note that much like Batman the Animated Series, the show gets its own title cards. Yeah! 
nice ones. And uh, I would be remiss if I did not mention the intro, which kind of sort of gives you the premise, (laughs) but also features a lot of wailing guitars. (laughs) Yes. Because it's the 90s. Yes. There is one thing about this show, and it was something that I even recognized at the time because I was, you know, not an actual adult nerd, but getting there, was that the art style, the the particular conceit of the art style was that it was very heavily shaded in a very comic book style. Yes. And that was an interesting little thing. I mean, not that interesting. And, uh, in fact, much like the X-Files, which debuted almost at the same time, uh, this show is big on the horrifying cold open. Yes. Like, it doesn't happen in this one, but often it is insinuated that the monster of the week has straight up killed somebody. I mean, you could, it, it turns out that it didn't kill the person in this one, but you could easily have thought that it killed the dude. No. Yes. So, uh, yes, we, oh, this is a long came arachnid, arachnoid. It opens in Seattle for some reason. Yeah, there's no reason for any of this to take place in Seattle. It's just every episode did take place in like a different city yes. or like a different location. I mean, that gives it a reason to have the whole uh portal conceit. Yes. I'm I'm not sure what it is with the spiders exactly that it takes place in Seattle, but I guess grunge was big at the time. (laughs) I would think that would be more of a a goth connection, but okay. So there is a, there's a helicopter flying over the city and it is almost immediately caught in a giant and distressingly goopy looking web. It does look really goopy. This webbing, like I'm used to your Spider-Man type webbing, which is kind of like gray and it's, you know, it's like rope. This is like, this looks like it smells weird. <laughs> it's kind of yellowish. Yes. Do we, do we still have David? That's a good question. I think we lost David. Ah, uh, nuts. Yeah, I, I wonder if he's had one of his recurring blackouts again. Mm. Like not him personally having right. a black guy. I mean, like his, <laughs> his power. Weather. I've reconnected and, and uh, talked for a while. Okay. Um, let's start the episode. Yes, <laughs> it is a giant spider invasion. Giant spider invasion. Giant spider invasion of savings here in Seattle. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess they wanted a Toronto. tall, identifiable building and they didn't want to go to Tokyo. It, it None of the rest of it looks very much like Seattle, though. I say from the one time I went to Seattle and most of what I remember is everything was very yeah, steep. I mean, I'm not seeing any any Starbucks cups, uh, Microsoft executives, or a single Ken Jennings. <laughs> and uh, I also note Alas. that uh, this, this series, uh, much like Batman the Animated Series, has uh, some pretty sweet uh, title cards. Yes. Yeah. 
pretty well, great. Not as good as Batman, but still interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, it, this, this was definitely kind of like a, a, a B grade kind of show. Like this was not, this is syndicated and it was on, at least in my area, a weekday mornings. Yeah, in my area, and that was the DC metro area at the time, uh, cause, uh, like I said, I was around like 15, 16 when this was airing, uh, and it was on usually in week, on weekday afternoons after school. Mm, this was a before so school kind of show. It was, it was somewhere around the, the same scheduling proximity as Exo Squad and the, uh, <laughs> the Generation 2. Transformers recuts. Yes. So anyway, uh, the, we open in Seattle over some Wayland guitars and, uh, <laughs> there's a helicopter okay. that just straight up flies into a giant gross looking spider web. It's super gross. It's kind of yellowish. It, it looks unpleasant. Like it's not, it was. this isn't like your nice clean Spider-Man webbing. This is gross. This isn't like arachnid webbing. No. This is, she's a lot tighter. This is going to this. stain your clothes. <laughs> yes. or, or maybe the video has just deteriorated because the show is so old and it's not on DVD. This yet. really should be on DVD. You know? It really, I, yeah. I have this vague thought that maybe there were a couple episodes on DVD, but that honestly, like, I probably literally dreamed that. Entirely yeah, possible. Probably just, like, a couple episodes were chucked on VHS at its time, like, happened with almost everything. Yes. So there... Yeah, this, the one that we watched, which was, uh, I know David and I, at least, uh, got off YouTube, was definitely copied from someone's VHS tape. Yeah. Yeah, you could hear the hiss. Yes. Yeah, I had to pause it like 15 minutes in just to make sure that hiss wasn't coming from like <laughs> my computer's backup battery or something. Because it was- yes. Finding this episode isn't a problem. There, there are like four or five different versions on YouTube yes. alone. Good. I think they were all the same. They were just like the color gradient was just like. Yeah, cool. unfortunately I didn't find the credits, so I could not find who is voicing this dude who gets wrapped up in uh in spiderwebs at the beginning this is it not just wrapped up like he gets it well the, the pilot of the helicopter gets chucked out so that the spider can um bukaki on this guy yeah this is a this is a giant spider we we get the the old guy's face reflected in multiple eyes of giant spider which is always nice and uh, okay so according to wikipedia and i quote Select episodes of the show were released on VHS in NTSC and PAL formats. Despite its popularity, the, season, the series has never been available on DVD or any digital service. Uh, which does seem weird, considering a lot of the crap that does get up on DVD. Yes, ma- it's like GoBots. It seems well, yeah. like the Mighty Orbots. What well, Mighty Orbots deserves it. It seems like one of those things that probably there's like some sort of weird rights thing yeah. going yeah, on. Because it was British. It, there's, because that again, probably that's, is a that's part of the thing. Well, I don't think the animation, because it was definitely a uh, an American cast. Yeah, but there might be well, some yeah, sort of rights, rights holder holders. thing with the yeah. British. Yeah, yeah, and it was. I mean, it was syndicated, which suggests that there wasn't like a particular network, like you know, the thing with the first robots in disguise, for instance, being that Saban was involved with it because it was All on right. Fox, and you know, being syndicated. There's nothing quite like that that's connected to it, but 
And, and like Exo Squad. Though Exo Squad did eventually get, like, at least the first season. Mm. I don't think it ever got the second season on DVD. Which makes me sad because the second season was interesting. Yeah, second Um, season was better and then it ends on the worst cliffhanger ever. (laughs) Well, we'll, we'll get to ending on cliffhangers in a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. I felt that it wrapped up pretty neatly. But <laughs> Oh my god. Uh oh. but uh yeah, so I suspect that it's probably some kind of rights weirdness that, you know, whoever owns the rights to it just doesn't have any interest in doing anything with them. So anyway, th- yeah, this guy gets web bukkakeed here. It's unsettling. Yes. And then we cut, as per our, the show's usual formula, to uh, the suburban home in an unidentified city of uh, of Max. Yes. And there, it's it's kind of like an Inspector Gadget thing where he always gets his, uh, like he always has to catch a portal, which is in a certain location. Yes. And this information is delivered to him in an idiosyncratic way, in this case, on a fish pizza. Yes, which Virgil later says sardines, clams, oysters, and anchovies. And he's still willing to eat this because it it was free. Yes, because he doesn't want to eat it. He doesn't want to pay for it, but then he says it's free, and then he's like, okay, give it here. Still pizza. uh, And it's the nuts. Yes, and Virgil later says that's because he wanted to read it before he ate it. That's why he didn't put pepperoni on it. Yep. So he has to go to the library, deal with a snooty librarian. Yes. As they are. And catch this portal, but not before toppling a bunch of bookshelves. Yes. As he's backing away from a tumbling shelf, the portal opens up behind him. And he ends up in some rando basement in Seattle. In a house that kind of just looks like the house he lived in? Yes. I think we, I think we might have reused a, a background. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, he and, he and Virgil are, are, Virgil and Norman are hanging out in this basement. Um, they note that they are dealing with the disappearance of scientist Dr. Stanley Kirby. <laughs> which they were going for the reference, but they seem to have forgotten that Jack Kirby didn't create Spider-Man. No, I mean, maybe they're just going with a general, like, influence. Yes, but it's specifically a spider guy. Yeah, so it should be Stanley Ditko, but I guess that doesn't say... Kirby's more fun to say. Yeah. Yeah. And there was... Well, okay, there was internet in the 90s, but I guess Wikipedia wasn't around for people to verify their facts. Nope. Yeah, and honestly, having been around in the 90s, it was... At that point, not something most people had in their homes. Yeah, it was wild for you. And uh, and it's here in this basement that we learn that not only is the scientist missing, but also Norman, big scary guy, is very afraid of spiders. <laughs> yes. He is very self-conscious about yes. this. And indeed, later in the episode, we find out we, I know, I kind of, I haven't seen this in like 20 years so I kind of assumed there was something where, like, there was a traumatic spider invo- in- incident in his past. No, he just doesn't like spiders. No, that never happened. He's it, just arachnophobic. Yeah. I mean, they're, that's fair. They're creepy. It happens. They're they're super creepy. It, it, it gives uh, Richard Mole a chance to to not just be the cool, tough-sounding guy. He gets to eep and squeak. And usually, his deal was he was kind of the wharf of the show. 
Yes. Like, he would not necessarily much. do that much ass kicking. He would attempt to do so, get and get his ass kicked to prove how tough the bad guy was. Yes. It was that sort of thing where then you know things are serious. Because indeed, he just leap, startled by the spider, he leaps right through the ceiling of this basement into some old people's living room. Which, like, that that's yes. construction problems right there. I mean... He may be immortal, but he's not super powered. I think he is, actually. He is? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's... he's, like, super strong. Yeah, I think so. But, I mean, he takes a lot of punishment in this show. Yes. Yeah, well, that, that's immortal endurance. So, yeah, he, he jumps through. Uh, they, they kind of, you know, apologize to this somewhat miffed couple. And neither of them seem terribly bothered by this giant chicken man. <laughs> And anyway, it turns out that they are looking for um industrialist Otis Face, which sounds like it should be a reference to something, but I don't know what. Yeah, it... It really just ends up being, like, a pun factory. Yes, because they have to go save Face. Yeah, yes. the face pun is used a couple times. And it turns out Otis Face is that guy who was webbed up. Oh. And uh, because we do not get the credits for this episode, I don't know who's playing him, but he sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, but he's just cackling. It, it, yeah, because they they, they save the him way. from this giant web, which is still and uh, as as Virgil says, I mean, well, it's, you know, there's a cop there who's like, oh, hey, what pal? You never seen a giant net before? <laughs> and Max notes that it looks more like a giant web, which Virgil says that would be unlikely. Because that would mean a giant spider. Like, how unlikely is it? That, have you? But you've been on previous episodes of this show. <laughs> yeah. Where you fought like werewolves, like and giant vampires, and dragons, and cyclopses. I'm, I think yes. there's definitely an episode with giant scorpions. Yeah, probably. No, there is. I remember that episode. Also, well, I need to get off the Wikipedia poetry. page so I'm not just declaring things like that apparently in one episode Tim Curry was Jules Verne. Yes, that's actually a pretty good one. <laughs> they uh, they fight uh, Captain Nemo, who was an actual guy. Okay. Uh, that sounds vaguely familiar. It's, uh, it's a pretty good one. I, I really don't remember, like, I mean, I did, I watched the show, like, with with a definite degree of enthusiasm, but as far as specific episodes, I really mostly just remember the finale. Yeah. I don't remember the finale. I remember a werewolf episode that was in London or something. There's a three-headed werewolf, and that's one that definitely opens with somebody getting murdered. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice thing. The show murders people kind of off camera. Like, it, it could show violence, but not gore? Really? Well, we get saw we get non-human gore, and it. I think we we also go back to what we talked to back in Beast Wars with it being a syndicated show. They don't have quite as many guidelines as like a network show might have for these things. Yes. So they, uh, indeed, there is a giant ass spider in this web. Um, Norman is kind of too paralyzed by fear, so Max kind of has to climb up this thing, get into this helicopter, save this cocoon dude who has gone completely insane with terror. Is he insane with terror? I figured he was just insane. Uh, no, I think that, I mean, he was just kind of like in that helicopter, not babbling about spiders. 
Yeah. Well, I was I was thinking not like in general insane, but just more like maybe that I guess I for a moment I thought maybe we were getting some kind of neurotoxin involved, but no, I guess not. Yeah, I mean we Cause spiders. They're weird like that. And we get weird toxin stuff later on that we will definitely discuss. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, so So yeah, I guess he was probably just gone crazy from being in this terrifying situation. So the spider attacks and Max turns the helicopter back on and although it cuts away we then see him sprayed with green spider innards. Yeah, from off camera. Yes. But like as if it was actually live action where somebody just chucked a bucket of green goop at him. Yes. You don't see any (laughs) of the spider. It's kind of weird. Like I said, there isn't quite gore. No. But it, it's more gore than you were getting away with on a lot of shows at the time. Yeah. I mean, you could get away with this stuff on... I Probably Beast Wars didn't have a lot of fluids, but it definitely had a bunch of dismemberments. Yeah. Yeah, but they were me- mechanical dismemberments, yes. so they were okay. You, know, you always saw a guy putting his arm back on. Universe hate was Spinator. Yeah. So he and... So they... That guy gets caught by a fireman. Max is just kind of hanging on for dear life for this web, which there's a pretty funny sight gag where it turns out it's stretched enough that he is like a foot above the ground. (laughs) And claims that he knew all along. Because he is very, he is the Rob Paulsoniest of Rob Paulson. He's so, he's extremely Rob Paulson. Peak Rob Paulson at peak 90s. And I mean, he's so 90s. He's got a sideways hat. His jeans are so baggy. Is, but tucked into his shirt. His like, shirt is huge. Big, yeah. poofy anime, like not quite anime, but like the artists were influenced by anime yeah. hair. Yes. And yeah, the art style in the show is pretty, he's kind of the weirdest one of the bunch. Everybody else is more angular. I mean, I mean, like oh, cause Virgil, <laughs> cause Virgil looks super normal. Well, for like he looks like a chicken muppet. Yeah, I mean, and, 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 yeah, he does. He does look like he could have very easily been in any number of Jim Henson productions. Yes, and, and I mean Rob Paulson. I mean he's still in a lot of stuff now, but I feel that the nineties were the golden age of Rob Paulson. Yeah, yeah, where he was just he in is. everything. <laughs> yeah, well, he was. I think he was the lead on possibly two different Jim Carrey based cartoons. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's come yes, up he, before. He had a, a little bit of a career playing Jim Carrey. And it's not that he really sounds like Jim Carrey. No, but nobody really does. Close enough. I mean, he, he can do wacky I mean, voices. he's versatile, but he mostly just sounds like Rob Paulson. Hey, guys, I need a second because my cat has decided he needs to be escorted outdoors. Okay. So I'll be right back. Can't. Yeah, I know. You need an escort because you can't get past the dogs on your own. It was hard to identify what kind of spiders these are supposed to be in this episode. Yeah, they're definitely... Other than they're just generic spider. Yeah, we didn't really look up... What spiders look like. Yeah, well, I mean... I mean the first the first giant one does kind of look like an actual spider. The one we see later that has a beard doesn't no. look like a spider. Uh, I have a note to make a joke about the Spider-Man video game, but as I haven't played it, I can't make one. (laughs) I probably will get the game at some point. Maybe it'll be on sale for Black Friday. Mm. I hope. All 
All right, he has been escorted past the doggy gauntlet. Okay. Oh. So anyway, this uh, this guy is just rant. You know, everybody's safe, but this guy is not much help because he says that Kirby is. Uh, where does he say he is? He's um, in the parlor. Oh, in the parlor. Like yes. To which this guy references. says this, this guy's definitely off his tuffet. Yes. There's, <laughs> which, which, there's a lot of wordplay. I wouldn't necessarily call it a witty script, but it made me laugh a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah, they're mostly just basic level puns, but yeah, it works. <laughs> so anyway, from this, Virgil surmises that he must be being held captive in some property owned by Otis Face. And so apparently they go all over Seattle and eventually find this grungy-ass abandoned building, which is the last one on the list. Yes. And because indeed, it turns out this is the uh, the residence of uh, of Doctor Kirby, and I, th- who is voiced by Rene Aubergenois, uh, probably best <gasps> known as Odo. Yes. Which I didn't even notice. He was in a Star Trek. And I think somebody must have told him that this episode was actually set in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah, know. It, it seems more just like I'm going to do an accent. It's definitely an accent. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's that's fair. It's kind of halfway between Southern and French, so I'm thinking Cajun. Yeah, yes. there's definitely a little bit of... Southern to it. It's, it's, it's weird. Is it's there a ep- weird accent. Is there an episode of, uh, Deep Space Nine where Odo has to impersonate Gambit for some reason? <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. But also, I hope so. <laughs> why, why, Mr. Quark, I do declare that, uh, you, uh, ought to, ought to charge this, uh, this gold press latinum. Detives and assassins. <laughs> Although this might actually be like pre Deep Space Nine. Yeah, oh, I think. What the hell was he doing before that? It's I mean, he's, close. He's been in stuff forever. Yeah. In fact, he was on. Uh, he was on Challenge of the GoBots. <laughs> oh, weird. I, yeah. I guess I remember him vaguely from some. I love randomly bringing up Challenge of the GoBots. <laughs> yeah, actually, he's done. He did a ton of animation stuff. Yeah. In the in the nineties, in fact, he was the titular Zyber Nine on Zyber Nine. Oh boy! Oh, weird. And indeed, he was on uh, that uh, the Mummy cartoon that we've discussed a couple of times. Ah, uh, they were never going to watch. Cause yeah, litany. It of, shouldn't uh, exist. Litany of nineties cartoons on here: Captain Simeon and the Space Monkeys. <gasps> oh, who was he? Was, oh, was was he Rhesus? Uh, it says no, he was, that was. I'm pretty um, sure Rhesus was Malcolm McDowell. Oh, it's right. A, it says he was the gardener. I fuck if I remember. So he was one episode. Though. He was on that. He was on that Savage Dragon cartoon. <laughs> oh, geez, I'd forgotten that existed. <laughs> that was Jim Cummings, I think, playing the lead. Really? I guess. I'm reasonably sure. Interesting. Uh, yeah, Jim Cummings. Nice. I, that also had Tony Jay in it. And Rob yeah, Paulson. Well, yeah, there were th- there was a large cast of superhero weirdos in that show. Wow. 
But apparently also included uh, such luminaries as uh, Dave Coulier, uh, <laughs> Paul Williams, and uh, Michael Dorn. Oh. Speaking of Star Trek. Oh. Anyway, Speaking so... Speaking of Worf. Anyway, back to this show. Yeah, so but... he is heavily in shadow because, surprise, he is the titular arachnoid. <gasps> what well, will be. Right now he's just sort of a brown recluse. Well, recluse. <laughs> Yeah, he's got a bunch of extra arms and a bunch of extra eyes, which are extremely gross because they also have, he also has extra eyebrows. Yeah, well, it's, you, it's, you a bit, eyebrows it's a little bit, it's a little bit Beast Machine's eyes. black arachnia. Yeah. Well, with, well, he, his, his extra spider arms are more Dr. Octopus because they don't seem to obey, like, limb things. They're sort of tentacly. Yeah, they're just kind of on his back. Ish. Wibbling about and badly animated. Yeah, because, so it turns out that, uh, Dr., that, uh, Otis Face, like, he was trying to harness the, uh, curative powers of spider venom. Sure. <laughs> well, that, that's what Kirby was trying to do. Yes. But, like, Face did something, put neurotoxin in it or something. Yeah, he's trying to make this up. into a chemical weapon. Delicious and, neurotoxin. And Kirby drank it because reasons. And Whatever injected himself or something. And I don't know, mate, it's not a good idea for chemical weapons to turn people into giant spider monsters. Well, <laughs> I mean, then they're just going to bite you. I guess it depends you. on what you want. If you just want chaos, it works. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's, that's all well and good until, you know, you have to deal with the people who you were fighting who are now a bunch of, like, poisonous spider people. Well, if they have the lifespan of spiders, you know, that works. Just it, leave it, them alone it, for it's, a while. It's Spider Island all over again. Yeah, this episode is very Spider-Man without being Spider-Man. And it uh, predates by a couple, by a year or so, the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Uh Oh, it does. Yes. Really? So they hadn't seen the episode where Spider-Man grows extra limbs and turns into a giant fuzzy Spider-Man. No, I mean, they might have seen, they might have read, like, the comic where that happens in, like, the 70s. Oh, that was, that was way back in the 70s? Well, that was, like, late 80s. Well, I mean, he doesn't actually turn into a giant Spider-Man, he just stops at the extra arms. What? I thought he got fuzzy too. No, or maybe that, that happens in the that has happened 2000s. on other occasions. But the the growing extra arms thing is from like uh, Amazing Spider-Man one hundred from like the oh. early seventies, uh. and then he fights Morbius for the first time. Oh, speaking of Morbius, oh don't don't talk to me about Jared Leto. <laughs> no, no, think, think happy thoughts, think Mysterio. Oh, that, that is a sweet looking Mysterio costume. <laughs> Better have that goddamn fishbowl. I'm sure it's going to have the... I mean, it has the big poofy cape and... It has everything else. It's got to have the fishbowl. It's got, like, lights on the shoulders, which looks freaking awesome. It's like, I'd, I'd rather spend, like, an entire episode talking about this, the possibilities of Mysterio, but let's get back to this <laughs> creepy episode that I barely remember. All I remember mostly was some monsters and the, the heavy shadows of the art style, which yes. is cool. Yeah, but the heavy shadows of the well. art style, it's, it's definitely, and that was definitely a time when, like, comic books, especially gritty comic books, were, like, a thing. Uh, so I feel like it was definitely, like, a, a comic book influence. Maybe even, yeah. like, a black and white comic book influence. Well, also, like, a side effect of um the X-Men cartoon sort of did that a little yes. bit. Yeah, that too. It's just... Taken a little bit further, more blacks in the shadows on the edges, which adds depth and angle. It's kind of neat. 
I wish other cartoons would try that. You know, I, I remember at the time, and, you know, I was like 15 when this was running, and, and I remember, like, noticing that as, you know, a comic book influence that was very interesting. And also, there were monsters. It was pretty cool. Also, I was already a big Rob Paulson fan at that point. So anyway, his whole, um, Dr. Kirby's whole deal is that he wants to be cured of his spideritis. And (laughs) he is just going to sick his, um, he's just going to sick his giant spider on them uh, to eat them. And we're never entirely sure why he has a giant spider. It's just why his he has buddy. two, because this is the second one. Yes, because he only has a second giant spider. A bigger one. With a beard. It's his buddy. Why does it have a beard? Uh, this, this was definitely a, we don't want to look too close up at pictures of spiders because they're yeah, creepy. Like the first one, I, th- I think the first spider actually had eight eyes. This one only has six eyes and has a weird beard. And I think not things. all spiders have eight eyes. Really? I think no, some just have six. Ones. Okay, maybe it's a thing. But uh, just... at least the the important thing is they didn't give them compound eyes. You see that way too much. Yeah, yeah that's that is good that they at least got that right. Yeah, so so they have a big chase. Norman is terrified. And also, at some point, uh, Dr. Kirby calls Max Mighty Max. Which, yeah! You know, even though he didn't, he didn't seem himself, to... himself, so what the fuck? And I don't think they even call him Mighty Max on the show. I don't think he's like a known thing, because he just has like a normal life when he's not doing yeah. this. Yeah, he's just this kid who happens to have all this secret stuff going on. Yes, I mean, that's, at various points, I think his mother finds out his uh, a couple of his friends find out. His mother, who is Tress McNeil. His mother is definitely Tress McNeil. <laughs> Very Tress McNeil. Tress McNeil. And occasionally figures into episodes with the archaeology thing. Yeah. Which I, I like. There's definitely an episode where they're abducted by, like, Gorilla Grodd. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. Like, it's not uh, named as Gorilla Grodd, but it's like an ancient city of gorillas. Well, of course. You gotta have an ancient city of gorillas. You can't just not have an ancient series city of gorillas. As you may have noted, uh, the villains for the series were quite eclectic. Yes. Oh. It's a, a very, that was, I mean, that was something that I liked about it when it was airing was that it was just all this random monstery stuff. Yes. Again, yeah. sort of X-Files-ish. Yes. We have a toy with this monster face on it, make an episode about it. Yep. Yes. We're doing a werewolf toy, make a werewolf episode. So yeah, they, they are chased by this giant spider. They eventually get it with a fire hydrant because what with the itsy bitsy spider. Yeah. And uh, the, the, this is going to cost them a lot of money. I, I don't know about Seattle, but in New York City, it, there's a fine of a thousand dollars or up to 30 days in jail for opening a hydrant. I mean, what are they going to do? Fun. Find that. Fi- I mean, they don't know who this person is, I, although I guess Dr. Kirby does. Well, yeah. okay, they don't know who it is because the streets are deserted. There's, like, no other people in this episode except for the librarian and the old people in the house. There, there's hey, a Pearl then, Jam There's a Pearl we Jam concert. Living... Uh, yes, there's a Pearl Jam <laughs> concert. Everybody said that. Back then, Seahawks we weren't game. living in a constant surveillance state. <laughs> also that. Yeah. 
Yeah, nobody, nobody's taking a, nobody's uploading giant spider videos to YouTube. No. Uh, so they eventually lead it to the docks where they knock it into the water. Cause there are docks, cause it's Seattle. Oh, it's on the ocean, sure. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean, yeah. It, it just, it's a very flat Seattle compared to the one oh. time I went to Seattle. And it, well, just like, how they knock it in the water is like, Max takes Norman's big sword he always carries on his back and doesn't actually ever make anybody bleed with it because children's show. But he takes the sword and pries, like, a porthole off a boat and throws the porthole at the web the spider's hanging from. Like, you have the sword, the sharp thing. Why are you using a window glass? What the fuck? Oh, because it's hard to throw the sword. And, you know, he's going to want that sword back. Like... They're in a dock. There's going to be a rope with a crane somewhere. You could have swung and cut the thing. It would have been more efficient. Swashbuckling. But no, you had to pry a thing out to throw the thing that isn't even sharp at the... What? Oh, and this is where... like They only have one song in this show. It's a really good song. It's the theme song. It's nothing but wailing Beast Wars style guitars and drums. But they overuse it for any action scene. Yeah, it's action is about to happen. This music just fires up. Yes. It's one of my favorite things mm-hmm. that I guess mm-hmm. cartoons mm-hmm. kind of picked up from anime around that time. Cause it was, it was definitely a point where like anime hadn't really become like caught on in America yet so much, but I mean, there were, there were, yeah, there were a few things. But it was definitely starting to influence the actual creators. Because, man, Mighty Max has some anime hair. Yeah. Yes. What? Anime was infecting creators, at least comic book artists, for decades. Well, yeah. Like the Nagai, my favorite Star Wars extended universe race. <laughs> like that one expanded issue universe. Of, um... Firestorm, where they completely just rip off the Giver. Oh yes, uh, for the the Zuggernaut. Yeah, <laughs> go back to our old web page, which we haven't updated in forever. <laughs> uh, so anyway, they they regroup. They re you know I guess it's the next day because they read in the paper that both a DNA research lab and a chemical plant were robbed. And, you know, you know, Virgil's like, well, you know, we can't, we can't look at every crime in the city. And, uh, Max is then points out that, well, you know, they, they were both robbed by a, a spider guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of got a common thread there. Oh. And also, um, you know, this is taking place in Seattle in the nineties and yet nary a mention of Fraser Crane. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> I am wounded by that lack of information. And then they, <laughs> so they're breaking, they go to a power, nuclear power plant, cause of course. Yeah, because they, 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 okay, they figure. So, okay, so he's gonna do mutation stuff. He's got chemicals, he's got DNA. Next step, radiation. What? They don't even say radiation, <laughs> he just needs power. They're not talking about yes. the nuclear component. But, I and, mean. And then I, I have questions about the security and safety at this nuclear power plant. Uh, there is none. That a child, a chicken, and a Conan cosplayer can just waltz into. Admittedly, a guy with a giant spider probably killed them first, but should have been something. They need to find the nuclear vessels. Maybe all the guards are like in web sacks or something. 
Oh, they, they, that's a happy thought. They're webbed up for what happens later in the episode. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of problems with the end of this episode. I have issues. Yes. So, yeah, they get there, they they find Dr. Kirby, and he insists that he's no longer Dr. Kirby, and he is now arachnoid. Dun-dun! He's gone full Brundlefly. See, the, the monster... The monster was not arachnoid. The doctor was arachnoid. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he's even he's got like a monster mouth now with like sharp teeth. He's, yeah, he's, I mean, it is kind of impressive that every time he shows up, he's got a new character model to some degree. Yeah, and Rene Aubergine now sounds like he has a mouthful of spit. Yes. Yeah, so, well, he's good. Like I said, he's gone Brundlefly. Like he's missing some teeth, and a few others have grown longer because. Spiders have long teeth? What? They're like, you know, the mandibles-ish. What are pedipalps? But they should pedipalps. Be like, his mustache should have turned into little pedipalps. <laughs> Ew. That is too gross. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um... And, yeah, he's now determined that he is the next stage of human evolution, and he's going to use the radiation and the DNA and the chemicals to uh, Next Step Unknown... Uh, those, third step profit. <laughs> those yeah. are the three basic elements of mad science. And he's going to do this and mutate DNA, humanity. radiation, and chemicals. Yeah. So humanity will now all be spider people and they will worship him as their god. It seems dubious at best. Yeah, this you, you skipped a couple of steps. Yeah. 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 And uh, But hey, he needs one final ingredient and that is a uh, human cerebrospinal fluid. Sure. Okay. Where is he gonna get some of that? Well, he doesn't need chicken cerebrospinal fluid, so uh, so Virgil is fine. But uh, and presumably Max's is fresher. Yeah. So he's gonna he's get it from kid. him. And indeed, we see like a, a like big scary looking needle pop out. Yeah, and he's just like he's like in one of those like super cocoony sleeping bag. Yeah, it looks like it looks like Jason <laughs> Voorhees is about to bang him against a tree. Yes. <laughs> And so Norman is paralyzed by fear, but uh, finally, inspired by Max's courage, uh, pops himself out of this cocoon and just starts kicking ass. By walking under the giant spider, stabbing upwards, killing the spider presumably, but we don't see the impact of sword on anything. They just stab motion, spider. And there's a sound effect. This kills the spider. but there's lack of green goo pouring down on him. Yeah, that's true. I, As you would get in a giant spider invasion. I figured there was definitely stuff that got cut here. <laughs> kind of, yeah, it, it does feel like that. Like, not necessarily animated, but definitely in the script, there's, yeah. like... Oh, you yeah. Know, we, we had an ongoing discussion with, uh, like, standards and practices people over what you can put in this episode. <laughs> Standard warming on the probulator. You, you get one scene with... Massive amounts of green goo from the spider. You get the sword sound effect. <laughs> you don't see the sword go into the spider. You don't see a wound on the spider. And I, the spider isn't quite dead because no, later you sort of see them pass by the spider and the spider's kind of like... <laughs> it's like one of those things where maybe it's like <laughs> Duke's in a coma. You know, <laughs> later they were like, okay, fine, animate like... A little bit of wiggling from the spider. 
Fine. And I also appreciate the, that Max has a line here about how he needs a giant rolled up magazine. Yes. <sighs> Such a child. Like oh. I said, it's, it's very quippy. Oh, and there's also a giant boiling vat of spider venom here. Yeah, because that was set up earlier in the hideout like there was a small pot of boiling spider venom and there was a giant pot under, I guess they're under the nuclear power plant, I think. I think they're underground because we later see them coming out from question mark. Does Seattle have a subway? I, I don't Sort of, yeah. It has a train system that does have some underground parts. Okay, cause because I- Because that's where, that's how I got back to the airport. Okay, because I think that's where we and, are. And the train is, and it's connected to the nuclear power plant? The yes. one time I went to Seattle. Anyway, so Arachnoid just gets knocked into this vat of venom and then emerges as just a talking spider with a face. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And his voice is even more distorted now. Yes. Not more Cajun, though, so that's No, nice. that is, she's just get. and really, if he's Cajun, he should be conducting experiments with, like, crayfish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you would think so. Why, why, Mighty Max, I do declare that I guarantee you that this is the future of humanity. <laughs> oh, Dad, I'm gonna make you do a great gumbo. I'm gonna cook you up real good. Exactly like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, he does basically fall into a giant pot of gumbo here. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so everything is broken, everything is on fire, and everything just straight up explodes, and it expl- Arachnoid okay. is com- completely incinerated. Presumably completely incinerated. The, the bad guy's a ball of fire, so is his giant spider, so is the nuclear power plant that they were at. Oops. And somehow they get out, and, and all the, even if the, the guards weren't killed they were webbed up they're burned to death but but uh Conan it's fine they're all gonna be fine a chicken and a small child managed to escape through a sewer grate or something and get shot i think out. it's the subway again maybe i don't everyone's uh, fine <sighs> it's fine and then you know norman has conquered his fear of spider and he's all hey i i, I eat spiders for breakfast which was his catchphrase yes <laughs> And uh unlike a lot of episodes, we don't get a the end or is it kind of ending, which was also popular <laughs> in the X Files, where you see like a like a spidery hand come out of the wreckage or something. Yeah, I yeah, I think the werewolf so, no, we were episode just... happened. This was that very happened, but... this is very kid X Files. I don't yes. think I even associated that as much at the time because you know it's kind of in the middle of that cultural zeitgeist. But although yeah. interesting, this is kind of like. Like the Monster of the Week X Files for kids, yeah. yeah. Well, Which that's the best part of X Files. The mythology episodes for kids was a totally different show uh, on UPN, BAD Bureau of Alien Detectors. <sighs> yeah, that I don't remember watching more than like two or three episodes of that one. I watched a bunch of episodes. Mighty Max, I think I watched everything. It was at least fun. But like its theme music is straight up an X Files ripoff. It's amazing. <laughs> oh right. And that's all on YouTube. We could do that one of these days. Ooh. No, we don't. It's got Peter Spellos on it. Pe- uh, I like um, Peter Spellos. Yeah, that's another excuse to talk about the Giver. Yeah. Eh, eh. You know <laughs> another- I'm gonna give you an excuse to talk about the Giver. Yeah. Another excuse to talk about Peter Spellos, because he's great. <laughs> Anyway, but hey, the episode isn't over yet because this is TV in the 90s. It's got to be kind of educational. He's the greatest shark around. 
So yeah, it's uh, it's our last 30 seconds. Max is just talking to us about spider facts. Yes, exciting spider facts sitting in what is presumably his mom's office. Yes, I kind of like that these were always in like continuity. So mm-hmm. when you had a um when there was like a two-parter where he was obviously not in a position to record one of these things, you would cut to that room and you get like an answering machine message from him with educational <laughs> facts. Okay, that's good. Yeah. It it was always a bit that I kind of enjoyed for its shameless we've got to put in something here so this isn't a 20 minute <laughs> toy commercial. Yes. And uh so yeah, that is Mighty Max. It's I mean, I really loved this as a kid. I now see that it was eh, kind of dumb. Kind of yeah, it, it didn't age but as well it, as I thought, although admittedly that's partially because of YouTube quality that I watched it on, but it was still fun. Yeah, the the video certainly did not age as well as you might have hoped. Uh yeah. can can we talk about the finale? Yeah, so in the finale, um well, that connects to this one because in it, Norman is straight up eaten by a giant spider. Oh. Yep. Okay. As it turns out, part of his fear of spiders was there was a prophecy that he would be killed by a giant spider. Yes. That's like his destiny involves getting killed by a giant spider. In fact, much of the cast ends up mer- killed off in that. Um, Virgil gets killed off by Skullmaster. Skullmaster also kills off his assistant, uh, Warmonger. Yes, the yeah. previously mentioned uh, Frank Welker. Yes, and then thanks to Stonehenge, uh, <laughs> they end up reversing time. So that, uh, the series ends on Max being back in the first episode. Yes. That's, I, oh god, that's, maybe, maybe it was this one. I remember at least one cartoon as a kid where it rebooted to the first episode so it could be syndicated all over again and make sense. Exactly. It's, that's. And and it ends, it ends with the beginning of the first episode. Yes. Oh shit! There was a, I swear there was something else that messed that did me that. up so much. It pissed me off. Maybe it was an anime that did that. They really pissed me off. Mm. It's an interesting idea in concept, but in execution, it means oh fuck, we got to go back to the beginning all over. It, it, I mean, I think it was for me one of those things where like that was still pretty good cartoon storytelling for the time. You know, even though we're like, eh, it might might not have aged that well. I mean, at the time, that was all just very clever and above and beyond what one expected out of one's normal Space action cartoons. But, but yeah, man, that ending, that ending messed me up. <laughs> I mean, not like Dark Awakening messed me up, but it was pretty bad. No. Oh my god, Dark Awakening. <laughs> Uh, so yes, that is, that is Mighty Max. Along came Arachnoid. I don't know if this is something we will come back to, but this is kind of a, an interestingly weird bit of mid-90s ephemera. Yeah, it's, it's very, very mid-90s. Yes. But, but yeah, like, like I said, at the time, you know, that was better writing than you usually got, so. But then a lot of them were. Yes. Because what you usually got was 
G1. <laughs> Poor G1. And so, uh, so we will be back. We will be back next week, back to talking about Transformers Prime. We are beginning the Orion Pax multi-parter. Yay! Megatron's got his boyfriend back. Hey, I don't remember season two. I I didn't see all of season two, so this is going to be fun. Ooh, this will be uh, an adventure. Yeah. I mostly just remember Optimus as Orion Pax just being absolutely adorable. <laughs> just just the like animation for him and everything was just very good. A plus very precious. So, until next time we are all over the internet. We are on Twitter, we're on Tumblr, and we're on Facebook. And we are hosted on iaconunderground.net where we have a Patreon set up to help with our hosting and other expenses. Uh that is at patreon.com slash iaconunderground. Uh and this month, you can hear the second part of our Transformers the Movie special, uh, where we talk about the original movie without having watched a refresher, and that ends up being embarrassingly not really a hindrance at all. Nope. Speaking of precious babies, my precious science baby Perceptor. <laughs> He's so good. Save yourself, Blaster. It, it, it actually, you know, it... it Watching the movie again, because of course then we went and saw it in the theater, it, it did really remind me of the like one panel from More Than Meets the Eye where I think it's Swerve is trying to talk to Perceptor and his Perceptor's word bubble is just equations. <laughs> and that's basically, <laughs> that's basically every interaction with Perceptor in the movie. And yes, the, the save yourself blaster is much funnier when you realize... I'd forgotten how how hilariously bigger he is than everybody he's fighting is. Yes, yeah, he's, he's, got a he's saying that as like to his back. Rumble is on his back, or yeah, like a toddler just back. hanging from him. It, it's ridiculous. Yes, it's just it's just me with two toddlers hanging from me, just saying, "Save yourself, run, leave me to yes. them." The, the joke is clearly that Perceptor is, is a coward. Poor science nerd. Uh. So he until... can't help it, he just wants to do science and possibly be Will Wheaton in the future. <laughs> Which I still say is pretty decent casting. So until next time, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm David. Chains rattling, chains rattling, thunder. Ooh, <laughs> what the fuck happened to my Transylvania twist? And I don't want to come out of a song, an up-tempo song, and I gotta talk about a goddamn dog dying. They did have, uh, one of the, uh, MSTF things, uh, did have, like, a clips of Cliff Jumper from G1 set to that. <laughs> oh, right, and they, I saw the, the, they did the trivia thing before the movie, um... During the theatrical screens, where they talked about which, I think one of the questions was which, uh, noted director, uh, 
provide the voice of Unicron, and I really want to hear David Lynch Unicron now. Yes. Oh, yes. So did I. I saw that. Now, now, gosh darn it, Galvatron. <laughs> yeah. You got to get me that darn Matrix of Leadership. It's it's the one thing, the only thing that can stand in my ding dong way. <laughs> I forget what some of the other ones Cooper, are. Cooper, you. It was nice to see the trailer for Bumblebee. Cooper, you got to get me that Matrix of Leadership. All right, anyway. Uh, hello. And welcome to Stasis Pod, the 